Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Morning, my name is Dean Kirpioit, and I am a guest speaker this morning for Crosspoint Church. I'm the executive director of the Mustard Seed, and I was here about a month ago. I think this is my fourth or fifth time uh, speaking at Crosspoint, and it's always a privilege to be back. Um, my assignment this morning was to preach on Psalm 55. It's an assignment that I chose um, because I find this psalm very, very curious and very interesting, as it is really a lament of David, um, who's king at the time, being distraught that a friend of his had betrayed him. This is a deeply personal lament from David. After his friend betrays him, um, he is distraught. And there's no way for sure to know who this friend is. Um, in 2 Samuel 15, 31, we've got a bit of a glimpse as to who it might be. And I'm going to butcher this dude's name, but he's not alive anyway, so he's not going to care. Uh, Athaflopal, I think is how you pronounce that. I don't know. I probably got that wrong. Some, somebody online is shaking their head in disbelief that I pronounced it that way. So there, there is some idea that this might be the person who betrayed David. Don't really know for sure. But the point is that David is praying in the psalm that God would deliver him from his plight. He is distressed that a trusted friend betrayed him. And he seeks God's justice. And what's always interesting about David is that when he seeks God's justice, in a lot of ways, he seeks it in a way that is defined by David, not by God. Eventually, he turns this over to God and he says, you know, let God be God. But initially, David really, in all of these Psalms, when he seeks God's justice, says, you know, and God, this is what I would like you to do. And this is another situation where David really outlines that. In Psalm 41.9, we also see a connection to this psalm where it says, Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. David is distraught. His friend has turned against him. And he is so discouraged. And he feels such pain because of it. When I think of betrayal, I actually think, first of all, of the Godfather Part Two. Now, for some of you who have never seen The Godfather Part 2, um, this is because you're not fully sanctified and the Holy Spirit has not completed your life. <laughs> you need to see The Godfather Part 2. I realize this movie is from 1974. Uh, it came out when I was two years old. No, I did not watch it when I was two years old. I uh, waited till I was at least 10 uh, after watching The Godfather Part 1, which you also must watch simply so that you understand the line, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Um, in The Godfather Part Two, uh, you can see Al Pacino there, um, and uh, he's playing Michael Corleone, and that is his older brother, Fredo. Um, Michael is in charge of the family. Uh, when I say family, I don't just mean family in the way we talk about it. I mean like mob family. And uh, Fredo has betrayed his brother. He's gone against the brother. And Michael, at this point, uh, grabs Fredo by the face he kisses him on the forehead and says, you broke my heart. You broke my heart. When someone betrays us that we love, we feel our heartbreak. David feels his heartbreak. 
For those of you that would like something slightly more current in your pop culture reference, there is the ending of season one of the TV show 24. Uh, you will not be closer to God if you watch 24, uh, unlike The Godfather. However, it is a fine, fine TV show. And I realize that some of you are under the age of, let's say, 40 and are wondering if any of my pop culture references have anything to do with our current time. And eventually I will get there. But at the end of season one of 24, the star of the show, Jack, is betrayed by one of his colleagues. And I won't even talk about who that is because if you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it. And if you have seen it, you know exactly who I'm talking about. And it's devastating for Jack as he is betrayed by his colleague. Again, there is this sense in David's life, in our personal life, and across pop culture, that betrayal of someone that we love hurting us is one of the most devastating things. And it is something that we have all experienced. Nowadays, we use different terms for it. We've been ghosted. Uh, someone has unfriended me. Someone no longer follows me. Or the horror of all horrors, I've been blocked. And we go through this, and you know exactly what it means. It is a unique pain when a friend decides to betray us. David goes through three emotions. In the first uh, eight verses, he describes his despair. We know that his betrayal is an act of revenge. David uh, hurt this individual previously, and now he's decided to take him on. The friend has decided to take David on. David is hurt and upset because clearly he thought the issue was resolved, and it hasn't been resolved in the other person's mind, which is why they take out their revenge. Um, this is verses um, 6 to 8 of Psalm 55. I wish I had wings like a dove so that I could fly far away and be at peace. I would go and live in some distant desert. I would quickly find shelter from howling winds and raging storms. In our despair, we desire to flee. In our despair, we desire to flee. There's this, um, I live in St. Albert. I think I've mentioned that before. Uh, you know, I'm part of that bubble. You need a special um, card to get into St. Albert and card to get out. Uh, we are very much um, our own little thing. And there is this road, it's called Meadowview Road. And it is um, kind of right outside St. Albert and goes out to these acreages and it follows uh, along something called Big Lake. It actually is Big Lake because of all the summer or the rain we had this spring. I used to call it Big Swamp, um, but it's actually literally Big Lake. And it's actually quite a nice drive. And um, I also call it the Mother's Fleeing Home Road. And the reason why is because you can go down that road at, you know, most nights and you'll see two or three, um, I, I, yeah, it's mostly women who are by themselves kind of parked alongside there or just going for a drive. They just need a break from their home and they're fleeing to get away from their home. Flight is a natural reaction. Um, when we are in despair, um, when we are hurting, we want to flee. For me, it's always, why are you fleeing? And then to whom? And when we deal with despair, we are going to want to flee. You know, David writes this, uh, and this is the first chunk of Psalm 55. Listen, God, to my prayer. Don't reject my request. Please listen and help me. My thoughts are troubled, and I keep groaning because my loud 
um, enemies shout and attack. They treat me terribly and hold my angry grudges. My heart is racing fast and I'm afraid of dying. I'm trembling with fear, completely terrified. And it's out of this despair that David decides, I need to flee. I need to go. In your despair, you're going to want to flee. And I think that's okay. I think sometimes we just need to get away. The question is, to whom are you fleeing? To what are you fleeing? Here's some ideas of things you don't flee to. You don't flee to substance. You don't flee to the thing that will numb your pain. You don't flee to the thing that you can become negatively addicted to. You don't flee to the thing that will not allow you to be close to God because your mental state won't allow you to get there. You don't flee to social media. I've seen so many people um, emote negatively on social media when they've been in pain. And I understand that there's a, there's a role for that a little bit because sometimes we just need uh, the comfort and the sympathy of others. But there's a line there, and you've all seen that line where it kind of gets uncomfortable. When we're not looking just to um, perhaps tell someone about what's going on in our life, but we're looking to condemn the actions of somebody else. We don't flee to social media. We don't flee to accumulate allies and to gather allies around us. And there's lots of people, again, that do that. Someone has betrayed you, and what do you do? You get on your phone and you start texting all of the mutual friends because you want people to come around you, not around them. Instead, I think there are some things that we should flee to. We should flee to prayer. Um, we should flee to that place of meditation, of stillness, of silence, where we get before God. And we ask God for peace in the midst of our pain. We should flee to the trusted people in our life who we know that we can be both authentic with, who will provide us comfort, but also will say the words to us that maybe we don't want to hear but need to be said. We should flee to healthy energy places where we can get out our anger in a healthy way. And there's lots of places to do that. Apparently, one can go to the gym and uh, work out uh, maybe go for a run. Have you heard about these rooms that you can pay to go to where they like kind of geary up and then you take a sledgehammer and you wreck it? We can flee to that. I think those are all healthy places and healthy ways to flee. I'm not anti-fleeing, but I'm sure have seen the negative consequences of fleeing to the wrong thing. In your despair, if someone has hurt you, Flee to the right things. The second part of this is David deals with his indignation. Um, this is verse 9 to 15. Confuse my enemies, Lord. Upset their plans. Um, cruelty and violence are all I see in the city. And they are all like guards on patrol day and night. The city is full of trouble, evil and corruption. Troublemakers and liars freely roam the streets. My enemies are not the ones who sneer and make fun. I could put up with that or even hide from them. But it is one of my closest friends, the one I trusted most. We enjoyed being together and we went with 
um, to each other's homes and to your house, our God. All who hate me are controlled by the power of evil. Sentence them to death and send them down alive to the world of the dead. You can hear in that uh, David's, um, this is what justice looks like, God, so give it to me. But you can hear his uh, indignation and his despair too. He's really sad. He's really broken that his friend would betray him. David's reaction to the betrayal is so human. He asks that God would confuse the person so that he could destroy him. And when someone betrays us, there is this feeling of wanting to hurt them or destroy them or to make their life as miserable as they've made ours. David states that this whole thing would be easier if he actually hated the person. But he doesn't hate the person and it's a struggle for him. This is someone I love. This is my friend. Um, William Blake said it this way. It's easier to forgive an enemy than to forgive a friend. It is so much easier to forgive an enemy than it is to forgive a friend who has betrayed us, who has hurt us. But he loves them. And like Michael Corleone, his heart is broken. And because of that, all he can see is vengeance. Um, as I've stated here before, at least I think I have, I have three daughters. Um, it's, uh, it's way worse than it sounds. And I have witnessed the indignation of grade eight girls three times over. I have a theory that if I was in a war, I would give the other side all of the weapons, all of the people, all of whatever else that they felt they required, and I would just take every 13-year-old girl on the planet on my side, and I would win that sucker in five minutes. Because everybody else on the other side would just be bawling because of all of the insults that would be hurled at them. Uh, there is nothing like hell hath no fury like a great eight girl betrayed by her best friend. Um, it is something else to witness indignation up close. Indignation, wrath, a desire for vengeance, all normal emotional reactions. It's not what we feel, it's how we react to those feelings that actually matters. When someone betrays you, how will you react? It's easy to see that David is seemingly sinning in his reaction, but in this case, he actually isn't. I mean, think about what he's doing here. He's writing. In what he has written, he's actually praying. At the end of this all, despite his despair, he's giving it to God. Yeah, he's asking for things, and what he's asking for is very dark. But at the end of it all, he basically says, in fact, the last words of the psalm are this, I trust you, Lord. He gives it to God. If someone has betrayed you, what are you doing with your negative emotions? How are you handling it? Who are you giving it to? The last chunk of this is really all about that phrase, I trust you, Lord. It's about trust. David finishes off by indicating he will await God's deliverance rather than creating havoc himself. Now keep in mind, this is extraordinary restraint for David. David is king. This other person is not. If David wants to create havoc in this man's life, he is a dictator. He can do this pretty simply. But he decides not to. And he shows extraordinary restraint by saying, at the end of this all, I have to trust you, God. 
He then states two spiritual applications that are just so important. He says, give your troubles to God and then trust the Lord's ability to enact justice. Think about you doing that and me doing that and how hard that is to give over the person that has hurt us so deeply and then say, God, I believe you are just enough to enact this on this. And not try to control the situation. Not try to do anything ourselves. But just to say, my betrayer has hurt me deeply. And God, I trust you with that. This is David's friend. It's one thing to let go of an enemy. It's quite another to trust in the face of such betrayal of someone that you have loved. Now, allow me to update my cultural reference. Suzanne Collins from The Hunger Games has written this. By the way, the prequel is really good. I just started reading it if you, if you haven't read it already. For there to be betrayal, there would have first to have been trust. I can think of, and I mean, all of us go through this. You know, if you especially go through your childhood or whatever, you can think of all the times you were betrayed. But I can think of the one time I was hurt the most um, as an adult. And um, it still bothers me to this day, even though it's 10, day, 10 years later um, or so, when friends who we thought were very close friends decided one day to stop being our friends. And by close, I mean like really, really close. Vacationed together multiple times. Um, we, um, I was a pastor at the time and they, they, they attended my church um, because we became such good friends, they started coming to church. Uh, our kids all hung out together, at least to some degree. Um, we, um, we spent time together as couples, as families, uh, and uh, the husband in the relationship and I was served on volunteer boards together. Uh, we golfed together. We went to hockey games together. And the wife in the relationship and my wife... Uh, did lot like did girls trips together. I mean, it was just it was tight. And over our kids no longer getting along, they decided that we could not be their friends. And I remember that moment where we thought everything was fine because we'd sort of worked it out and said we can't control how our kids feel about each other, um, but certainly our relationship should be deeper than that. Uh, it turned out it wasn't. And it was hard. Uh, and we knew the moment that we were no longer their friends because we were driving uh, that night to go, gro on night, it was like a Friday night to go grocery shopping or something lame like that. And we drove by mutual friend's house and the group that we were a part of was all getting together that night. And we realized that we weren't invited. To this day, uh, we don't speak to them other than uh, the husband and I still uh, connect on occasion. And uh, it's very rare, but we still connect. Met him in a grocery store once and said, what happened? Just ran into him. And he said, well, just weren't sure what kind of parents you were. Okay. It's hard to trust people again it's easy to question God. 
You begin to wonder what's wrong with me when someone betrays you that you trusted, that you let in, that you were vulnerable to, that you started to not only share your light, but your dark. And then one day, nothing. But David says we have to trust, and we do. Because if we don't trust again, the only result is loneliness. We were so grateful for the new people that came into our lives almost immediately after that friendship ended. Almost as if to say, we were waiting for an opportunity, but there was just no space for us before. And if we decided not to trust again, what would have occurred? We'd have been lonely. And we're not. Because you have to trust again. You have to let people in, even if someone has hurt you deeply. If you have felt or have felt betrayed by a friend, I know you're hurt. I have felt it. And here's the thing. Not only did David feel that hurt, so did Jesus. Jesus understands what you're going through. He can relate to it in a way that is so deeply profound because he too was betrayed by friends. And so in your moment and in your grief, when you pray to him, know you are praying to a God who deeply understands your pain. So there are really just two issues to deal with here as I wrap up. First is, don't be the betrayer. Please don't be the betrayer. If you need out of a relationship or you're on a break or someone has hurt you and you want to get revenge or whatever, don't hurt them back. Don't be passive aggressive. Don't ghost. Instead, just in kindness say, this is where I'm at and this is why our relationship needs to look different. It's okay to do that. Not all relationships last forever. Um, but don't hurt somebody in the process of moving on. The second thing is if you have been hurt, be like David in your response. Lament. Go to God. Trust in God. And at the end, choose to trust someone again. I'm going to read you a, a quote from Brene Brown to wrap up. We cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known. And when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offering with trust, respect, kindness, and affection. Love is not something we give or get. It is something that we nurture and grow. A connection that can only be cultivated between two people when it exists within each one of them. We can only love others as much as we love ourselves. Shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, and the withholding of affection damage the roots from which love grows. Love can only survive these injuries if they are acknowledged, healed, and rare. Let's pray. Um, Father in heaven, um, you understand um, through your son Jesus what it means to be betrayed in a very human sense. Um, when David writes, my friend turned against me and broke his promise. 
Um, Jesus, you know exactly what those words mean. You felt them. You experienced them. And because of that, you are not just a loving God. You are uh, empathetic to us. Um, You know what it means to be hurt by someone who we considered a friend. And so I pray for those that are in that place. I pray for those that um, are in pain, um, that their heart is broken. And Jesus, I ask right now that you would meet them where they are at. And I'm going to give you a couple minutes just in silent prayer. And if you need to reach out to Jesus to help you with your pain, I want to give you the moment to do that. So our Lord, we belong to you and we tell you what worries us and you won't let us fall. And we trust in you. May we trust again. May you provide space um, in our lives for new people to walk in, to affirm us, who love us, who are loyal to us. And may you provide comfort to those that are hurting. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.